Welcome to NKS Talks. I'm Natalia and I'm a coach specialized in bulimia, binge eating and emotional eating recovery. I had bulimia for 10 plus years. I recovered and now I help others do the same. This podcast aims to help those who are going through or went through something similar, but also those who want to grow personally. You can look forward to specific episodes about eating disorders, but also interesting guests, because I'm basically interested in the whole world, from eating disorders and self-development to spirituality, sports, education and health. I help others find food and body freedom. So let's get into it. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of NKS Talks. Today we'll be talking about habits. Why habits? Because basically when I discovered my bulimia was just a habit, I don't want to say just, but it was a destructive, addictive habit, I kind of twisted the way I approached recovery. I found a coach who specialized in neuroscience, who also had experience with bulimia, um, and who understood that bulimia is a habit and helped me to get rid of it, basically. Um, I don't want to say that there is nothing more around it, that we can just identify it as a habit. But once you'll understand how habits work, how they are formed, you'll understand that there is also a lot going in the mind and beliefs and uh, thoughts that, however, can be can be changed. But before we dive into this episode, I have one special announcement. And that is that on the 1st of June, I'm launching my very first group coaching program, which is a four month long coaching program uh, designed to help you recover from bulimia or binge eating and find body and food freedom. And also learn intuitive eating. So this is a program that I was building over the last year, basically, um, so that I can help even more people. I will keep the groups quite small so that it's still individualized and personalized. And yeah, I'll guide you through everything. You'll have my support. And every week we'll be meeting for coaching calls, coaching sessions, And you'll have support of the other girls slash women as well. So you won't be alone. And I find group coaching very empowering. I was part of one as well in the past. And it was an amazing experience. And everything I learned and I teach my clients and all the techniques, everything is in there. So don't hesitate if you were looking into recovery and coaching and maybe you were looking into more flexible plans even in terms of finances uh, this is for you as i said we are starting on the first of june the spaces are very very limited so if you're interested dm me or email me and book your spot so that uh, we can start when first june approaches So that is all to to say about my special announcement. And now back to the episode. So before we start, I would just like to present <laughs> one quote, which is, your beliefs and truths become thoughts. Thoughts become your words. Your words become your actions. Your actions become your habits. Your habits become your values. And your values become your destiny. Mahatma Gandhi. Let it sink in. Because in this quote, there is so much power. There is everything said. Everything I 
teach how I approach recovery, everything that I realized through recovery, everything is there. Because your beliefs and thoughts guide how you feel, your words, your actions, and what you do becomes habit. And what is habit becomes your kind of character and value and your values become your destiny so even in bulimia we can uh, see that what we think guides our decisions what we believe in guides our decisions about food about what we decide to eat when to eat not to eat what we permit not permit what we restrict not restrict so there's so much power in this quote and I don't want to go that deep into it because through explaining what habits are we will you will understand more so in this episode i'll talk about habits what habits are how they are created and how habits relate to eating disorders specifically bulimia emotional eating and binge eating it sounds strange that these disorders are just some habits but once we understand the process behind it you will definitely open your eyes and you'll see differently you'll notice that your day in your days your different habits and maybe you'll gain back your control it is certainly important to mention that eating disorders are complex and to recover we must look at each person's specific situation behaviors beliefs coping with emotions and all the stuff like that but all this belongs to the various stages of habits as i'll discuss So, how do we actually behave? According to neuroscience, we know that 95 to 99% of what we do is based on habits, some patterns from the past, based on patterns or imitated behavior, reactions to stimuli, opinions of society, parents, the media, which often we take for granted and often we believe it without even thinking about it. So without verifying whether we also believe it or not, we don't even confirm whether or not it's in line with our values. So I'll definitely talk about this in a separate episode. But what is important to say is that our behavior is often based on other people's opinions, perceived expectations, without us realizing whether or not it's useful for us or in line with our goals, our values. And of those 95 to 99%, of those 40% are automated habits, a real routine reactions. The fact that you go to brush your teeth in the morning, or you have a coffee, or you turn on the TV in the evening after work, pour a glass of wine in the evening, or eat something in front of a TV, all of that is a habit. Or even maybe you go to work, you walk around a bakery, you smell something and you buy something or driving car that's automated as well. So habits are not just, as I said, um, driving a car, turning the TV on, having the coffee, but they are also thoughts, even what we repeatedly say to ourselves and believe in can be habits. And bulimia, eating disorders as well. So what is a habit? Habit is something that we do repeatedly without thinking about it. It's an automated, automatic routine reaction when the brain does not use and need much energy. 
Habits basically save our energy. We basically respond to a cue, a stimulus trigger, which uh, starts some routine reaction. It does us good in the short term. It feels good. Our brains love such routines uh, because it can keep um, its energy for autonomous management or for the need of higher thinking because we're humans, we have higher thinking as well. So if we want to change and get rid of some habit, we must first understand how it is formed and at what stage it is the most effective to intervene and stop it. Some studies talk about three phases, Other studies talk about four, and I personally lean towards the newer studies and four phases. And that's because of neuroscience and biochemical processes that go in the brain. There's a certain dopamine effect in just having the thoughts, which I'll explain now briefly. (laughs) So habit has four phases. As I said, I lean towards this and the newest uh, newer science research as well. So there are four phases which basically create a habit loop. So you can imagine it like a circle, a loop. In emotional eating and binge eating, there is one loop, one round, and in bulimia, two. So the first phase is Q. That's the trigger. That's the stimuli. That's what triggers an automatic reaction. You go around a bakery, you see cake, anything you always react to in the same way. So it's good to think about them and know them so you can work with it. The main sources of cues can be people, stress, environment, thoughts, emotions, situations. For example, a situation can be you're alone at home. And for you, that's a cue to binge, even maybe when you have a good day, but you still do it and the urge is very strong. Or it can be a physical feeling, hunger or fullness. If you're hungry, you might binge. If you're full, that's may, that may be something negative for you and you might feel guilty or not sure how to handle fullness and you binge and purge. Or mental, you're sad, you're stressed you have anxiety, you're bored. Often people eat when they're bored. So all of those are various cues that can spark this automatic reaction. The next stage is craving. Craving, that's a psychological craving, something deeper. You're looking for relief, you're looking for love, you're looking for escape from stress or from that feeling. You're basically looking for something to help you solve this cue either how do i solve i'm full i feel guilty i don't want it what can i do and already you start thinking about it or you need some relief from stress stress might be your cue so you're looking for relief or you're you feel alone you need love and all of these in the craving there's the dopamine effect i was talking about Dopamine. What is dopamine? Dopamine is a hormone. It's a neurotransmitter, basically a transporter of impulses in the brain. And it's responsible for the feeling of happiness, joy, and it regulates the balance of the system, of the reward system and pleasure in our brain. So it's the main hormone that is responsible and plays a major role in habit forming and rewards. So the Brain produces dopamine in moments when we have expectation of some reward. 
meaning just the idea of food will cause an increase in dopamine. Try to remember when you had such an emotional or bulimic episode that the craving, the thought of the food, the relief, it made you feel so good. And then when you ate it, you thought, "Mm, maybe this is not worth it. Maybe I don't even like the taste and it's not as great as I imagined. So that's when the reality comes. The uh, the remorse or the realization that what you need is not fixed with food. That the relief was temporary, but it didn't solve the problem. So what I want to say is that this dopamine is that even just the thought of the food, you're thinking about it. And when in your brain, you tell yourself, okay, I'll allow it to myself. It already calms you down and it already creates the high dopamine, the relief, what you were looking for. But then the actual food, that's not the real relief. Just the thought of it spikes the dopamine. And of course, like the few bites of the food can be amazing and you might feel great. But let's be honest, eating delicious food is great. But binging and feeling physically full and unwell and sick That's not reward. That's not where the dopamine hits. No, it's prior to that. So it doesn't have to be just a thought of the food that spikes this craving, but the desire to get rid of the stress, the desire to disappear, to numb yourself, not to be present. Basically, the desire to um, escape the cue. So after we have this craving, there's the routine reaction. You buy the cake, you eat whatever you want, you eat something forbidden maybe. You buy a lot of food and you eat. And then there's the reward, which is the fourth phase, which is relief, you escape the thoughts, stress. There's another dopamine flood in the brain and hormones that cause addictions. In bulimia, we then have another loop of those four phases, meaning the after you eat... Another cue appears, which is, I feel full, I feel sick, I need to get rid of it and I need to compensate, blah, blah, blah. So actually, the reward uh, that you ate and that you feel full becomes a cue and now the cue is, I need to get rid of it. It can be the feeling of fullness, physical discomfort, guilt, shame, fear of getting fat or gaining weight. And so your cue is, again, these things I just mentioned. You have craving, the thought of, oh, I'll feel better when I get rid of it. The thought of, oh, I'll feel better when I can basically erase what had uh, just happened. And the routine reaction is then some form of purging. It can be exercise, it can be uh, making yourself feel sick, it can be laxatives or all of it. And then the re- reward is you got rid of it. You, you are no longer full. So when you have such strong fluctuations in dopamine, meaning in the food, happiness, overeating, vomiting, guilt, the, unfortunately, then the brain biologically um, wants more and more of the dopamine because it doesn't want 
those huge spikes. Ideally, you'd be leveled. You wouldn't have such high highs and low lows. But because of this destructive habit, you have very high highs, just like an addict, and then very low lows. Um, Because the brain doesn't want to be in those depressions. But as I said, it can be balanced and controlled. So bulimia and other eating disorders don't really start with the fact that we want to have these destructive habits, of course. Uh, But something happens in your life, you have some conviction, thought that maybe, okay, uh, I need to lose weight, you start restricting, and then at some point your body doesn't, um, cannot manage it anymore and you binge. And once you binge, the animal brain will keep bringing it back because our bodies want to save themselves they don't want to be starved or you might not come from restrictive background but you just created this habit as a form to cope with the stresses emotions and anything that might be going on in your life but you just need to do it a few times and the brain will automate it so just like addictions uh, habits are dangerous why because they are beyond our control. I always say it's like you're possessed by an animal and I felt like it as well. Oftentimes I felt possessed and all of a sudden I disappeared for a few hours. I wasn't aware and a few hours later I realized, oh my God, I just ate so much food. I binged, now I need to get rid of it. And it's the autopilot. When you're in autopilot, you're not aware. You're not in the present moment. So that's why it's dangerous. So, in order to change this destructive habit, you need to have motivation. Why? Because why are you doing what harms you? No one can motivate you as much and keep you in it in recovery for long term other than you. Because even I always say I can give you all the tools in the toolbox and the toolbox can be so pretty and designed personalized but unless you use the tools and want to use them you won't recover so you must take actions and you must really want it and so how to motivate yourself and I always go through three phases of motivation with my clients I'll briefly mention them here so the first one is you need to create a strong personal vision. Vision of the best self of yourself. You're healthy, you're happy, you're successful. Um, Any desires you have. The image of yourself in a healthy state. Uh, Just visualize yourself. uh, No children, spouses, houses, just you. Uh, And really create a strong vision of this. What is it that you want for yourself? The next phase is negative motivation because there will be times when it will be tough and positive motivation won't work. So you need to remember what will happen if you don't succeed with recovery. So in here, in the negative motivation, focus on the bad things. What will happen? Imagine you didn't change. Imagine you didn't manage your recovery. You... It um, time passed, year one, two went by and imagine what will happen. How will you feel? What will you look like? What do you care about the most and what do you have around you? How your relationships are maybe and some personal impacts, physical, medical, um, financial even. 
and maybe imagine even uh, an impact on the most real important relationship uh, in your life. Really think about this and even when you're in that thought process of, okay, I might as well binge, just imagine what can happen and how you truly feel when you do. And then the third step is positive motivation. So here we want to visualize and imagine that the necessary time passed for your recovery, you managed to change bad habits, there are no limits for you. And imagine how you live, how you look, how you feel and what you're proud of and who you have around yourself, uh, what your relationships look like, what benefits did this journey bring to you, what did you learn and how proud you are for uh, your recovery. So this is the three-step process and of course I go into more depth with my clients and we really like create a vision and have it very specific and keep reminding um, ourselves anytime they need, um, ideally every day. (laughs) Yeah, and it's just to show you that no one can change your habits for you, only you can. You can have support, you can have guidance, you can have someone who gives you the tools such as coaches. And the coach is there, of course, to support you, motivate you, bring you back up when you when you go back into some destructive habits and patterns. But you must be willing to go through the discomfort. And to go through the discomfort of habit change, you need to be motivated from the from within so that it lasts. So now I would like to briefly talk about neuroscience and habits. How does the brain and habits actually work and then I'll tell you how can we change habit actually (laughs) so the five main key points from neuroscience are that the brain cannot erase or change anything that has not been yet created there we don't completely erase the bad habit there is um, always going to be past cue clue uh, and the neuropathways are already there but we can create new ones we can create new reactions new thinking the brain cannot erase but it can override and create new pathways this is important because oftentimes people think that oh i don't want to have any thought and recollection of my eating disorder and never ever think uh, think this thought again that's not really how brain works you might even in three years from now have some thought when you feel low or at some stressful point in your life like oh let's have food because we know in the past it worked but it will be so weak and you'll just say to it oh this is so irrational and no I don't want it imagine it like saying no to some toxic uh, relationship toxic partner that you just want to close the door on it tries to come back, but you just close it and it's like so easy and weak. So that's how the brain works. You can't actually erase it, but you can just easily weaken it and say no to. So this is important. So as I said, the brain can overwrite. Second point, the brain writes uh, into deep memory and it learns through repetition. So to overwrite something a 20 year old tape a five year old tape one year old tape however long you have this destructive habit 
repetition is key. The first 21 to 30 days of new uh, of breaking down bad habit and creating new ones, new ones. It's kind of yeah, there's discomfort. It's not easy. Uh, it's annoying at first to actually. Um, be aware, to stop, to notice what you feel, to really not uh, run away, to have discipline, but it's worth it. You cannot expect it will be easy because it's been formed for some years and uh, it won't just switch overnight. But then the next two uh, times 21 to up to eight months of a new habit are more easy. It's more for the maintenance. So the brain, as I said, remembers bad habits, but if you stick to consistent change, it won't because you will use your prefrontal cortex and not your animal brain to, re- to decide what is useful for you and what not and what you believe in, what your value is, how your new recovered self behaves compared to the past animal autopilot self. Number three, the brain believes and learns in images and through, yeah, images and visualizations. So images and ideas, visualizations trigger biochemistry and it cannot actually distinguish between reality and imagination. So when you think about what you cannot do or you're not allowed to do, it's like a Pavlov's reflex. You will only think about that. It's like, okay, I can never eat a cake in my life. And then what do you think about cake? When I, and you only see cakes everywhere. Or I cannot have chocolate. And then you're obsessed with chocolate. So instead of thinking about what you can't have, think of new things, what you want. You can start a new memory uh, trail, new neuropathway, and create adequate chemistry from that. So... Uh, work with a vision and response to specific uh, cues. I often tell my clients to visualize next time they have another bulimic thought episode and cue. Visualize how you want to actually behave because when you're prepared for it, you won't be surprised and it will be easier to say no to because you'll have the steps uh, already in mind how to overcome it. Um And of course, I don't want to say here some specific steps because I would have to know your concrete um, concrete case, concrete cue. So I don't want to be irresponsible. So sorry that I cannot say like specific steps uh, of the visualization or steps in uh, you can do not to have your um, binge, but I just want to be responsible. But I think I'm already telling you a lot. (laughs) So basically, instead of uh, thinking what you cannot have, think of what you're allowed to do, what you can have. That's what's helpful for the brain and changing habits. Four, the brain cannot distinguish between useful and useless or harmful. So if we're dealing with something harmful, something negative, again, it triggers some reactions just when you're dealing with something positive. So who's the boss here? It's you. You can decide if you're going to be believing and thinking negative thoughts and beliefs or if you reframe them and change them. And that's the part of the recovery that is super crucial. That's reframing the mindset. 
So as I said in the cues, cue can be even a thought, negative thought about yourself or about food, about your life, whatever. So anything negative and limiting that uh, you believe in or even opinions of others, expectations of others that you internalize, that needs to be reframed. So that's what I do in coaching. We go through reframing every single thought that's not useful and that sparked and actually created um, bulimic or binge uh, reaction. So as I said at the beginning and in the quote was said, if you want to basically change behavior you need to change your beliefs and your thoughts so that's very important you cannot expect to be behaving non-harmfully if your thoughts are negative and limiting you need to reframe that and you need to change them so that's what can be achieved through uh, reframing the mindset and five the brain is neuroplastic The brain can transform itself biologically and physiologically at any age. The question is, based on what? So from everything that we've been talking about so far, we can summarize it in this. To change it, we need to change and basically base the change on what we think, what we do and what we learn. So therefore, the more we pay attention to what we think, what we do and we learn, the more we can implement some changes and be more present and stop the autopilot. So what you feed the brain with is key. And as I said, the brain is neuroplastic. So that's good news. We can always change even the most harmful habit. So what can you change actually specifically? We know there are four phases in the habit. There is cue, there is craving, there is reaction, there is reward. Well, you'll always be around cues and triggers all the time. You would have to live on a separate island or in a bubble not to be around some uh, triggering foods, not to be around triggering people, stresses, etc., Life is not always pink elephants, so instead of running away from it, you can learn to manage it and behave differently and react differently. So you can't really change uh, and make change in cues and triggers. Reward, well, we're humans, we always want to feel good. So we will always be going after something that makes us feel good. So... What can you change, really? You can only change a routine reaction and basically not react. You can create a new reaction, something that is useful, maybe creative, pleasant at the same time. You have to be concrete with it and it has to be small, concrete action. So what's key is to get to know the triggers. From the point of view of neuroscience, when the trigger comes, the thought of the food comes to you, we need to identify those triggers so that we can create new reactions based on those triggers. And the craving there is super key. Once you have the craving, your animal comes out and it's so hard to stop it. So what you need to do before you react actually is stop it at the point of the craving, meaning you need to stop. You need to stop for at least one to two minutes 
um, and become aware. Basically, turn the animal off, get out of the train, get out of the autopilot, anything you need to visualize, visualize it. And even maybe say out loud, what are you about to do? I am about to eat, I don't know, five chocolates, cakes, this amount of food, that. Look at yourself maybe even as a third person. What would you advise your best friend to do in this situation? Stop, pause and feel what you need. What are you ever running away from? What are you thinking? Because when you identify what you think, you can reframe it. So we need to start pausing the autopilot, become aware and conscious so that the reframing can occur and so that you can decide whether or not it's really helpful or not for you. It's nothing more than basically gaining back control over yourself and starting to do things consciously. So once I realized that, yes, I was in my autopilot, I started working with my coach and we started, she started teaching me how to pause, what do I need to ask myself, what do I need to do in the moment. So that's what I do with my clients too. I basically created a list of questions they need to ask themselves to become aware, to identify the thoughts, the feelings, the triggers, uh, so that we can reframe it and next time be even more efficient in stopping and basically just already knowing, okay, this is my cue and I know how I will react in a new way. I will do X, Y, and Z. There are always options. So this is about habits. And before I let you go, I have just some few uh, tips for changing habits. So first, pause. Pause, stop, become aware, start noticing what is happening in your physical and mental body. Don't, uh, oh, second, sorry, (laughs) have a strong personal vision. The motivation is key. Just like as I said at the beginning, you need to have strong inner fire to keep you going. Identify your cues, your triggers, so that you can prepare for it. It's okay to maybe avoid them for the first 30 days if it's a specific food maybe, but then you need to also learn to live around it, live with it. Because you want to be able to have maybe trigger fruit at, foods at home and not to binge on them at night and just not be frightened by them at all, controlled. Also, step by step, take small realistic goals. Even with my clients, I go step by step. I don't want to ever overwhelm them. Um, they need to be, feel safe and secure and always supportive. Uh, be creative. Uh, why can why make life harder? Uh, so instead of not thinking what you can't, think of what you can. What can you do instead? What have you always been avoiding and but maybe wanting to do in life? Get support, get help, coaches help because on your own, even if you have the strongest personal vision and motivation, it's always good to have someone who is there, who is more objective, who will help you reframe the thoughts, identify the triggers and guide you through what you need to go through um, in order to truly fully recover and find uh, food freedom. And be nice to yourself. Praise yourself for small victories because any improvement is great. Even when you're recovering, you might have two weeks without binging and then you binge. It's never a step back. It's always step forward because it's a new learning curve. Because maybe you've reacted 
to a new trigger or a new thought that has not been yet reframed. So never blame yourself, never um, think badly about yourself, that there's always something to learn from and that can be uh, yeah, learned and basically that can push you even more into recovery and uh, yeah, take the ne- next steps. So I hope this episode was useful. Um, I'm very passionate about habits, as you can say. And once I learned that, yeah, it's a habit, I approach my recovery differently. And that's why I know that traditional therapy doesn't work. What works is um, coaching through the lens of neuroscience, habit change, uh, reframing mindset and coming back to yourself, intuitive eating. That's how I recovered and that's how my uh, clients recover. So if you're interested in working with me, I'd be happy to help you. I'm very passionate about it. And uh, so either join my group program, Restart on the 1st of June. Yay, yay. So apply for that. Or if you want to work on a one-on-one basis, book a discovery call with me and we can start your recovery journey because the freedom is worth it, guys. Anyone can recover. Our brain is neuroplastic. You can recover at any point of your life. And if you have strong personal vision and goals, we can achieve them. We can achieve amazing things. Uh, So I wish you nice rest of the day. Thank you for listening. And if you like the episode, please rate it, review it so that we can share um, this support and uh, information uh, around and spread it so that we can help more people. So I thank you and I'm looking forward to speaking to you in the next episode. Have a nice day. Bye.